welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Knock On Podcast. You probably think I'm in the one starting it. Nope. It's actually a podcast with a bunch of my good buddies. This is going to be a... Honestly, when I'm recording this intro right now, I don't even know how this podcast is going to be because I don't know how the podcast file will actually end up because here's what happened. We were going to record this podcast. We were all, you know, ready to go, get deep into conversation, and my buddy Jay kicks the cord, unplugs the freaking podcast. We realize it's unplugged. We start again. Then we're going on that one. We're deep in a conversation. I look down at this real fancy schmancy podcast board that my buddy Andy got for me. And it says your uh, media limit has been reached. So we don't know when that turned off. So then I rec- like just started recording on my good old faithful Zoom recorder, which is what I'm recording on right now. And guess what? worked totally fine. So I don't know if part A, B, I don't know where they started, where they ended. We're going to do our best to like smash those together to then go with part C, which is pretty awesome and probably bulletproof. And probably the reason why it worked is because it was just with the old original zoom mic and not this super deck that has all these cool lights on it that I don't even know how to work. So hope you like this podcast. I have no idea how it's going to end up. It's all dependent on my faithful steed, Antoine, who will put this podcast together for me. Thanks, Antoine. And knock on everybody. Glad to be back. Where were we at? We don't know where we stopped. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. <laughs> I have no idea so where, where we where stopped. Yeah, that sucks. So let's just go into what you were just trying to talk about. A no, ago. yeah. So we kind of were taking a break trying to figure this whole thing <laughs> out, and uh, and I don't know where I cut off, but we were talking. You know, earlier it's like you know I've been shooting since I was twelve in a mm-hmm. long time, and I'm listening to the dialogue you're talking about Jay and man, like this way more draw length that he needs, and <laughs> you know, and I, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I bet I'm in trouble. And, and, and it's kind of because, you know, I, I remember back in the day where everyone locked out, you know, everybody was locking their elbow. And then, you know, then a long time down the road, somebody taught me kind of like it's the lean against the tree with the big bend in the elbow. And, and I'm like, man, I, you know, I'm a creature habit and, you know, I shoot okay, I guess, but I want to get better. And I'm like, man, I bet he's going to look at me and I'm a wreck. <laughs> you know, I've seen it. you know, I'm a wreck. I traveled through the darkest parts of Europe before the internet. And I saw stuff from, like, where the hell did this come from? Scary place. And they'd be like, Yoder down the road makes these. And I'd be like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a picture of a guy that if you order, like, if you order release rope from us, it comes in, like, five-foot sections. I bet you he could not make two loops out of the size of the loop that he had on his bow. His oh loop gosh. was like <laughs> at least two feet of material. <laughs> and it, he had like booked lessons because I used to travel 
like all through Europe, I'd do these tours and people would just sign up for the class and they would come in. So you had no idea what you were getting. And there'd be people like, what do you think? And, you know, I'd just be like, oh, man. Do you want to hear this? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I would just, honestly, what I do with everybody is I'll watch them shoot. And as I'm doing that, I'm analyzing what's the one thing I can say that will make the most difference right now. Because, you know, you can – you can only take so much information. You know, if someone comes to me and they're like, why'd you do that, dude? You know, you freaking did this, did this, did this. You know, you need to do that, that. And it's just like, can we stop? Can you just, either we need to write down a list so I know all these things and I can review it a lot or just tell me the worst thing I did. Let me just like correct that. Because Cause I can't, do, there's just, at least for me, I can't do all that. So that's what gets really hard when people, especially when people want lessons, they come and I'm looking at them thinking, I have 10 things I want to tell you, but if I move on to this next thing, you're going to forget the first thing. Or, you know, it might be, maybe they still remember this first little thing of like touch your tip of your nose, your string or whatever it is. But then they just keep like, it's like there's only so much bandwidth when yeah. you're learning. And it, and if you throw in too many new things, then it just doesn't all start functioning. And the reality is, you know, kind of prioritize what's causing me the most mistakes. That's highest on the list. You know, that's got to be my priority, you know, and it. That happens a lot with companies. You know, I was with a company um, uh, two weeks ago, and I was sitting there, and I was with several different departments, and they were all talking about, like, things that they want to do, things that they want to do, and and they all talked about things that they had done and all this stuff. And then when I left there, I thought, when I come back, I really need to convince them of, let's all put all this on a board and let's all take votes at what the top, what the three biggest things are. And that's all we're going to do as a company. Like when we can cross these three things off, we're going to do this again. We're going to get to this whole list and it might take us five years, but we can't all worry about fixing 10 things because some people, your thing might have to wait, but let's just, Like, let's limit this down and do these three things at 100% and then move on. Even if those other ones still aren't working right, but yeah. to do 100 things at 10% capacity is just a really yeah. bad equation. What you're saying, I mean, it's kind of a conscious thing, right? So, you know, although this is muscle memory, but, yeah. you know, in the beginning it's not. In the beginning yeah. it's a conscious decision. Yeah. And so you're like, hey, conscious decision, and I get through my process whether it's work and you're like, I'm going to focus on these three things. We're going to make it happen. Or whether it's shooting a bow consciously, you have to like ingrain that in your head first. Yep. Do it 30 times, do it, yeah. you know, do it three months, do it yeah. whatever. And then, you know, cause without that, you know, you're just, you, you slip, you slip back to habits. Mm-hmm. Right. It also goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Right. Which is like, you have to take the mind space and commit to like, incremental gains if you want to hit the reset button and i can't remember if it was you jay and i this morning or jay and i last night 
people grab the silverback and think that's going to be the solution to the ills, right, right mm-hmm. of their shooting. And all it does is identify all the things that you're doing wrong in your process and your form. And it's like there is no easy but- button yeah. to perfection, right, or to getting better. Yep. It's it, Whether that's shooting bow, business, whatever it is, it's like incremental gains and committing to taking the time to learn those incremental gains is where you get the wins, right? Like no one picks up a bow or starts a business and just is a hundred percent dialed in. You know, every now and then you go somewhere where you see someone talk that they don't tell you anything that like instantly makes you what you want to be but they identify a lot of stuff that you're doing wrong and you're just like, man, I am missing the boat, you know? And when I'm around, when I'm around people like that, like that, the first, um, icons podcast I did with Jeremy Andrus, Jeremy is a guy that if I can, if anyone says, you know, Hey, do you want to go do this? And even if it doesn't sound that fun, but they say, you know, Jeremy was going, like, he's one of those guys where I'd say, yeah, I want to go. Even if it was like, you know, we're going to go learn pottery, you know, but Jeremy wants to do it. I'd, I'd be like, you know what? I have no interest in freaking learning pottery. But if I can be around someone that really is figured a lot of this stuff out and who has listened to mentors that have done this same sort of thing – it's like it's priceless stuff you know and you you find these people you know like you know jeremy or you know um the list goes on and on the the it seems like even like joe rogan you know joe's like listen dude you know i'm no freaking genius i just remember shit like everyone tells me he's like everyone tells me stuff that i'm wrong about and i remember it like, you know, I'm not smart. I just remember the stuff I'm told. You know, he's like, I have a memory that way. And it's like, if if you can absorb that, then that's the ticket, is being able to, to truly, like, all of a sudden be exposed to all these things. But, yeah, there's there's, like, that avenue, which is kind of the approach I like to have. Like, I really want someone I trust and I appreciate to expose these things and freaking let me just grind to figure this shit out, you know, and, and like do and like get my stuff straightened out and do it right. But then there's like the other side of that coin and I've got friends that do that and they'll call and they'll be like, dude, do you want to come to this house flipping seminar? You know, it's freaking five grand. These guys are making 200 K a year you know, it's just like, you just, all you got to do is learn the system. And then, and it's like, okay. And then next thing you know, you see them like two weeks later and they got these signs made up and they're putting them on every corner. That's like, make 1200 a week, call this number. And it's just like, this is like, (laughs) this is the freaking, you know, this is what, unfortunately, what most people think that they need, which is this instance, like button that, makes all of this real hard stuff go away and the truth is that stuff's just freaking yeah. some junky sign on the side of the road that says like nose button on it <laughs> and you know what i mean like that that and i were talking about this morning that's the thing about that silverback is that like 
I can't tell you how many people I've talked to about that release that come back and say like, oh, this is going to make me like, did it improve your accuracy when you first bought it? I'm like, no. The first thing it did was undress me yeah. and put a hole in my wall. Like, yeah, I'm standing right. there like covering like, my nuts. Like, <laughs> it's a di- it's look a, the other way. Look the other way. Right. It's a diagnostic Do you want to go to club tonight? No. 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 I'll be in my basement right. where no one can see what's happening. <laughs> like, that thing is, is a diagnostic tool mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Like, mm-hmm. it'll tell you where you're wrong. And you've got to commit to that thing for three months before mm-hmm. you really start to like get a feel for how it how it manipulates and like where you know what it's diagnosing in your form and your technique and then you start to like grow through that mm-hmm. and like that's when you start to realize the 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 performance improvements but first you got to go through like the painful two and a half three months of like <laughs> i hate archery all of a sudden yeah <laughs> you know? yep yep yeah it you know What's cool about it is anything I've ever done that I really love and stick with, that's part of right. that growing pain of like realizing, you know, if everyone went out and hit a golf ball and it just went straight and in the hole, I mean, people would be like, ding, hole in one, later, you know, I'm gone. <laughs> it's like you need to go out there and be like, can I borrow a ball, man? Freaking out again. Like you part of anybody that has just a drop of competitive nature what brings them back isn't the fact they're so awesome it's when you suck at it that you just you're like i have to prove to myself that i can do this better and yeah for archery and for bow hunting for me that's what it that's what it was always about is you know i i wasn't I was never like great, you know. People say that now. They're like, "Dude, you should go s- compete." I'm like, "Hey, I'm I'm good. I'm not great." You know, there's guys out there that are great. Go watch them. It's freaking spectacular. Watch them. The truth is I went and I freaking struggled and all it did was gave me something to go home and for the next 5 days I worked on something else I sucked at and went out and tried to prove you know, that I actually could overcome that odd. And unfortunately I had to do it in front of a lot of other people at 300 bucks a freaking entry fee. You know, that's, that's what I did. It's not like I ever went out there and just freaking dominated the world. No, I went out there and, and freaking sucked and struggled. And then every now and then I would put together everything and i'd have this moment where it was good enough to be the best that freaking two-day period of this lifeline and then guess what the next weekend it was gone and no one remembered what happened last week because now everyone's talking about this week and i don't know and then that was like a challenge in something i really loved but it was like it was just a step and then you get into hunting and you realize okay in target archery, there's probably, at least when I was there, there's probably 10 guys capable of winning every every weekend. If you put everything together, you won. Awesome. Okay, now go into the hunting world. There's a thousand elements that continually change and evolve and every day are a completely different situation. And by the way, what you practiced for last week, it might not even apply today. And you've got to figure it out in real 
world time by the fraction of a second or you're walking back to your truck at dark, getting in it, going home, looking at your family that's like, oh, you spent a whole another day out doing this thing and, you know, like, to me, that was way more appealing because, you know, it, it's almost like there's more on the line. You know, people say, do you want to go, why wouldn't you want to go win money in target archery? It's like, man, I've won checks in target archery. That's nothing compared to when you outsmart a mule deer that's got like three does around it and those two fork horns that always face the wrong way. Like every time they're not facing the direction they should be because, you know, and you know that buck knows that, like, you know, these two freaking dorks over here like <laughs> have the wind at their back and they're facing into the wind you know it's just like what are you doing face you know you can smell what's behind you face the other way idiot you know so i can approach from the angle but you know that's just for me it's always been r way more rewarding and it's it's harder you know and that's why i like it well and, and speaking as like a bow hunter that's biting off the target thing there's guys going both ways right it's yeah like there's target archers that are moving to bow hunting and there's bow hunters that are moving into target yep and like as a bow hunter moving into target archery it's like that's it's like a completely different language mm -hmm. of variables that you got to start to consider because i'm like i got an invicta in my basement that's ready to get built it's like mm -hmm. i gotta start to think about dots versus pins and lenses and you know spines that are like a completely different nomenclature relative mm -hmm. to what i'm used to with hunting arrows it's just interesting that like you know, whichever way you're traveling, there's like a huge barrier of entry. Yeah, there could be, but there's also a different aspect of, and I, you know, I remember, I still remember this conversation with, I had this with Randy Ulmer and this was back in like early two thousands because, and it came off an article that I wrote a long time ago for archery focus magazine. And it, you know, I thought it was something along the lines of like how to build a target accurate hunting bow. And I always thought like, cause I, I have had hunting bows that other than a few things like a, you know, a lens on it or a single pen, it's, I've said, I swear this thing can outshoot target bows I've had. And I've always said, you know, what if, what if you like, you just, had this passion to develop a hunting setup that was target accurate, like truly target accurate. And I remember one time, um, I, th well, I felt like I really had one. Um, it was a Matthews LX, you know, freaking six inch brace height. And, you know, I, I remember talking to Ulmer and I said, uh, I go, what if someone, I said, I go, do you set up your target bow or your hunting bows to be like, you know, super accurate? And he was telling me even back then, like, yeah, I always shoot at 100 yards with broadheads. And he was kind of just getting this whole, he does like a big shootout in Arizona where they do, um, you know, just 100 yards, 100 yard contests with broadheads and stuff. And um, I said, well, I mean, what would people think if you just went to, you know, one of these indoor events with this hunting bow, you know, cause there's, there's a bow hunter class, but right. no one really goes with the, like their hunting bow. And he just looked at me. He's just like, they think you're an idiot. 
Right. <laughs> you know, he just broke it right down to this simple facts of if you roll in here with a full target, a hunting bow and a target, you know, society, so to speak, people will just think you're an idiot. But I kind of took that as a challenge of I want to go. So I went to the NFA Indoor Nationals with a Matthews LX with like a six inch brace height hunting bow. And I thought, you know, I want to shoot is, you know, I want to see if I can shoot a 60 X 300 round with like a hunting setup. And I did. Wow. Yeah. That's ninja level stuff, but I never did it again. I thought it was stupid. Like (laughs) once I did it, I thought, man, I want to have like my lens, my freaking big (laughs) diameters. So there's, yeah, there's this weird like barrier to where hunting is like its own thing and then target archery is its own thing but i still like i'm still even though you know he was right like i did it i told myself like no i'm gonna do it and then once i did it i'm like oh i didn't like that i didn't like that i gotta like i gotta go back but i'm maybe i've been away from it long enough now to where i'm i'm finding myself thinking again like wait a minute why and i think the segue to that is like the the total archery challenge events Right. Like th- that's that one place where people can go and they want to do that. But I think the reason they do it is because there's no score. <laughs> I think as soon as yeah. you put like, as soon as you come off and you look at a number, I think all those guys that roll out there with like fully loaded backpacks and freaking water bladders and <laughs> All that shit hanging off of them. I think if it was like them having to go down and show a scorecard to like everyone else <laughs> in the parking lot, they'd be like stripping all this off, going freaking, you know, light and fast, freaking getting a lens in, s- s- shrinking this peep sight. You know, I'm going to go with a different fletching. You know, I think at that point, you kind of change the game. But the reality is, because TAC doesn't have a scorecard, I honestly feel like more bow hunters are better and they're more like target quality, you know, I I say athletes, but they're more target quality hunters because they're actually not overthinking it. Like they're not trying to, like, they're not trying to like overcomplicate the equation of, build a system that is like user friendly polish your technique and then go out and build confidence in things that are harder than what you think you can do right yeah tax interesting which is like for a lot of people right it might be their first 3d shoot Oh God! <laughs> I feel bad for. Are there really people go? That's the way, their first one. The way you set up that what course is this, this year. One sixteen. Like, oh oh yeah, and like <laughs> right, they walk in and it's like they have six arrows, and you're like, mm, that's a bad decision. Really we'll pick day. you up at Target Seven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just making sure this recording. It is. And uh, you, it's it's interesting from that perspective, right? Which is one of the things as we've been talking it's like to get good it's like check your ego at the door whether that's target archery or hunting 
But Tech, like, is a glowing example of guys who have ego, and they'll, like, sit at the 112-yard doll sheep that's surrounded by, like, granite and just launch arrows at it. <laughs> and, like, every arrow that they brought in their backpack just is exploding, and they just they'll keep shooting, right? And they won't think about how they fix their form or whatever. They're just like, I'm going to hit that thing. Yeah. And, it, and Tech is that perfect example of, like, because it's not competitive, air quotes, because yeah. it is when you're with yeah. your group, everybody's oh, yeah. like oh, eyeballs on It could on the be the worst. There's no way it's not with, competitive. When you go with your five homies, that's the worst. Yeah. And it, it, it's a really interesting one where you just see the people who can, are willing to learn or the people that are like, no, my whatever. I'm like, this is how I do it. I'm never going to change. And they – break 20 arrows by target 18 and and then there's other guys that like will airball a target and it's like no i gotta move on it's like <laughs> i did something really wrong That's right me, dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I like fully rebarred a, a big horn sheep on one of them and i was just like what in the freak you know because I, <laughs> I it actually wasn't where my pin was when it broke and someone's like you want to shoot it again i'm like no <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. i want to get out of here i'm not even going to go up and pull arrows with everybody like get me out of <laughs> this place it, yeah it would be funny though if you think about it. it's like you know like 5ks 10ks you have the timed and you have the untimed it's yeah. like oh, it, yeah. you know what i mean if you're like all right we're gonna do timed we're gonna score you like you know what i mean what would people would a group sign up? Would a group find it competitive? Would a group drive? To oh yeah, they their would. Story, you know, until sure. the next year, and then and then instead of attendance being, you know, three thousand, yeah. it's twenty five, twenty five hundred, and then yeah, and then the next year it's this. Uh, you know, yeah. that's I I had this conversation with someone I really really respect in the industry mm-hmm. before we went to the TAC in Park City. Uh, he reached out to me and he's just like. I don't know if I'm going to go. It's stupid that they don't have like a money class. You know, I don't know why Wants they would to be competitive. Yeah. He's yeah. like, I don't know why they wouldn't, you know, be keeping score. And I just said, the reason I'm going is because they don't keep score. Yeah, I said, the reason yeah. most people are going is because they don't keep score. And he just said, well, that's stupid. You know, they should, you know, they should be doing this. Why don't they charge this much more? And then there's money there. And I said, why don't you freaking send out a group text to the 50 pros that you know that go to the asa tournaments and just say hey let's all meet at the tack let's throw a hundred bucks in everyone you know let's divide these groups you know we'll divide them up into groups of five let's all just keep score and then winner take all at the end freaking do it like dude don't complain about the event because it's freaking awesome it's a great event yeah do freaking Snapchat your, you know, your 3D buddies, have everyone throw a bunch of money in the pot and go out and shoot for the pot. Like figure that part out. But for, you know, for a lot of people just being able to, to go out there and, and literally shoot an arrow. And sometimes you, you freaking hit that target. Like you make that shot and you're, you're squinting your eyes. Like, God, is it going (laughs) to, Thunk, and you're like, yes, <laughs> like that's what archery's to me. That's what archery's about. When I, you know, when people make these, sh- you know, shots that they didn't even think they could make, but they're just trusting 
oh my god okay i know my sight pin says that i can do this and i put it on that mark you know dial this sucker to 96 and dud says if i just pull back and anchor and look through my peep and let off my safety and just pull 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 even though that pin's moving from freaking ass to the nose ass to nose that i'll get it you know and then they do that and it hits foam and they're just like yes <laughs> i think that's what makes it fun yeah. you know right the other cool thing is like when you go to any tack event i remember my first one at snowbird there were like families like grandma was walking the course dad was shooting mom was there and then like son or daughter also shot the like kids course at the bottom it's just so it, it's cool to see like the full generational inclusion yeah mm-hmm. and, and like it's a it's a cool way to get more people into archery and hunting and like thoughtfulness right Be, which is like you can't shoot a bow without being thoughtful yeah um that's what's really cool about tack is it's just super inclusive did they have that in the climbing world do you guys have contests where you do like a certain climb but it's how fast you can get there or it's like according to a score like a score system yeah there's two different ones there's multiple different ones but there's like speed climbing and then there's like more more common in like the bouldering world right which is you get scores based on compete a climb um, or if you don't get completed, how high you get, and it starts to tally up. Yeah. But especially on the bouldering side, on the indoor climbing, it's definitely more like tack, right? Which is like, it's the environment, it's the yeah. inclusiveness, it's like there's the party afterward and like videos playing and music and food and that whole thing, which yeah. is super cool. And that's like what's amazing about tack is right after the event you go down and whether it's bha or whomever like has an after party and there's there's food and you can learn and just like commiserate with people who just lost three hundred dollars worth of arrows (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's a great event i asked why like one day the first time i went to attack i just i kind of said like why isn't Easton sponsoring Attack every weekend? <laughs> yeah, Because <Every>, <laughs> Greg could just be in the parking the lot, the just like licking that thumb, just like. Because <laughs> 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 every time a freaking silverback goes <laughs> off, he's just like chiching. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you could you could do that if you made a bow that when it fired instead of being like down. It just went like ching Like that would be the hundred and fifteen yard doll sheep shot at, at tack. Dang, awesome. Jay. I heard that through the mic. Did you really? Yeah. That was my neck. That's after you finally <laughs> shot your correct draw length for one morning. I'm, s- I'm starting to loosen up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you hear all that break loose? I feel like I know nothing. You don't. <laughs> no, you don't. What time we got? I just got to make sure we're on pace. Oh, yeah, we're on pace. We're good. good. Yeah, I think think what I want to really emphasize to to the archery community now is I just want want people to come out and have fun. You know, I want people to go hunting and have fun. Um, It's like... I want less emphasis on score on, in both formats. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I've never, like, if you ask my wife or my son, you know, what 
their deer score or anything. They they just be like, I don't know. Fun. What? Yeah, yeah they score fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> Harry doesn't even know. If you said, how do you score a deer? He would just look at you like, I have no idea. And just say, okay, there's, I don't even, personally, I don't even know how many measurements are there. But just say that you went, there's 15 measurements. What are they? He'd just say, I don't know. I mean, he wouldn't. And if you went up and said, honestly, if you went up to a 3D target, like if you took him to an ASA right now and you said, what are these scoring rings? Like he might be able to tell you if you hit the body, it's a five. But I bet you he'd be like, like he would, if you said, here's your stickers with the scores, I mean, he might just from, you know, common sense be able to know like, well, that's the best place to aim. So it's probably the highest score. But if you just said, what are these score, what do these rings mean? He'd just be like, I don't know, vitals or something, you know, because well, what, what'd you say today? I only shoot deer that score 14. Yeah. Four legs and stoke level 10. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's what it's all about, man. That's it. Yeah, yep. for sure. 14. I shoot 14 pointers every time <laughs> I let an arrow go. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like. <laughs> that's a shirt. From a. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you seen the 14 pointer? <laughs> no, I feel like. I feel like we have to be able to have a bar that's really high to where we strive to to be you know awesome and be accurate and but the truth is like on the competition side there's just not like archery is not that fun to watch that's the truth of it you know it's fun to watch when you know someone's going to wreck an arrow <laughs> right yeah. is that true yes like i told people i said if you want archery to be on TV and like fully going, ha- like first rule is it has to be a lighted knock. Like arrows that fly with a lighted knock, hundred percent cooler. And if you want it on TV, like someone has to die on the end of it. <laughs> like if you had two people that hated themselves, they both just launched arrows and like someone's gonna get whacked. Then archery's on TV. Like then we got a reality <laughs> series. But otherwise, like. To just watch people, honestly, to watch hundreds of people that are freaking just pounding the center of the dot, it's almost like too repetitive for the average person to be watching it to be like, well, what separates everybody? Because everybody, you know, to the common person, they're like, everyone's shooting freaking great. You know, there's yeah. like all these arrows in the middle. You don't realize, well, this one's a quarter inch out. This one's a millimeter out. To to most people, they're like, holy cow, they're shooting awesome. I think uh, I, I think you need to just make it about fun. Yeah. You, know, you need to just make it about, you need to make it about the experience after and being able, being able to talk about, you know, everybody talks about the one that got away or the one time they, you know, one time I shot, you know, this buck or the big, you know, I think those are the things people really want to continually do. And I don't know what the perfect solution is, but I just want to make sure as a community, we really remember that. Like in the, like the back part of our mind, we have to remember that, you know, 
I want to make sure I'm doing this for my, like, I want to teach my grandkids this. I really do. Yeah. But it needs to be cool enough then to, yeah. for them to still have, like, you don't want them to be like, what's archery? Absolutely. You, you know, or what's bow hunting? You know, no, you want them to say, oh, yeah, you know, that. Yeah. So-and-so did that, and he had just so much fun. Yeah. You know? I think for the layman, it's like, you know, um, you just talked about tack and the fact there's no score. Right. And, you know, and for me, it's always been very therapeutic. Mm. You know, you go out yeah. back and rewind, you, you know, you just kind of like spend the day and, you know, you just, that's where you just kind of like sit and think and you, and you launch arrows. And every time you, you hit where you hit, it's a personal thing for you, whether it's that target attack or whatever, it's a personal thing. Right. And then, and then you've crossed that bridge with a means to something else. Mm. And so for a lot, it's a means to hunting and, you know, like we're out here with you and Iowa having a great time and we, we, we're shooting bows, but you know, we're not hunting. We're just, we're just hanging out. Yeah. We're spending time. Right. And it, and it's such a fun thing because it's like, you know, there's a personal side, there's a therapeutic personal side. And then there's this other thing that it creates, yeah. right. It creates longer time out in the woods, longer time with your family, longer time. You know, it, it is, it's a whole nother thing. And it's, it's just not serious. You know, it's a great thing about it. It's not serious. You know, what's crazy is the other day I saw, um, Jocko post something, his son, Thor, cooked on the Traeger and you know and, and the reason I saw it is because he tagged me he said you know Thor's trying to you know get as good as knock on TV at grilling but <laughs> it's cool that yeah, like that's a, that's a big feat it's cool that Jocko went out no come on I'm, you, I'm literally it's pretty like, awesome super basic um, <laughs> it's cool that Jocko went out shot an elk right you know shot an elk and then now they come back and he's, you know, he's like wanting a better grill, wanting to know how to cook, yeah, like all, all these things just naturally start to happen. And then, you know, maybe he cooks something that's awesome. And then his kid has it now, you know, now Thor's like, you know, I'm going to cook. And, you know, people within your family start taking ownership and things that, you know, well, in the end, your kids always want praise, right? You sure. Know, they just want praise of some sort. So if they get good at something like that and the whole family's being like, this is awesome. Well, you've given them a means to maybe have praise, even if they aren't like a super athlete, so to speak, they, they're able Absolutely. to take part in something to where everybody appreciates it. I think there's just so many facets that people that aren't in our community just don't understand. And it's really, really unfortunate because yeah. I've got friends that aren't hunters, but they have kids that are like struggling to be part of the family. And yeah. honestly, something as simple as this, like they might not be an athlete, but you know what? They might legitimately geek out about being able to turn a grill on themselves, you know, do a few simple things, cook a meal for the family. And then like next thing you know, the family is being like, Hey neighbors, you have to come over and like, this is freaking unreal. He's like a chef type thing. <laughs> you know, it's just like a snowball effect. And unfortunately we just, we have these blinders on of like, this is hunting. Hunting's the devil or whatever from the outside community that doesn't like it. Or, you know, Oh, they're hunting. They have a gun. You know, it's yeah. like these, these right. crazy thing, you know, Billy wore a Billy wore camo today, you know, 
We yeah. don't like camo. Camo means that you kill things. Yeah. You know, we have to. And in the in the end, it's like, well, maybe Billy could have taught Nancy how to freaking cook some Brussels sprouts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> I, I, you know I, what I don't mean? Even, I, you know, I, I, you know, honestly, like, my youngest is 19 years old. He okay. goes to Texas Tech, plays cross, great kid. You know, but the difference thank in me. Thank God for the cross balls. Thank God for the cross balls. But. You know, <laughs> cross balls. That's a ticket. But that you know, is the ticket. when we spend time together, we shoot our bows, we hunt, we do those things. You know, cook and it's Brussels sprouts. We cook Brussels sprouts, yep. right? Because it's our connection. It's what we have. You know, and it's it, you don't take that for granted. Yeah. You know, no. It's funny. Life sure. changes, and those connections, and like, there's a few things you do together, right? I cannot throw a lacrosse ball. <laughs> he is amazing at it. He's amazing at it. Do you it. actually throw one or do you, ch- like, yeah. what do they call it when you, don't isn't you have a stick? Whip? I've yeah. never played, but isn't it cradling? Yeah, you, well, you cradle Cradling. when you're running with it, but, yeah. you know, and he's a face-off kid, but, you know, but it's not my thing, but together, our thing is that, you mm-hmm. know? That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. Thad? How'd you get into archery? <laughs> you're, hold, you're holding something back. <laughs> I'm waiting for him to be like, well, this one time we were actually one stuck time at band in the, camp. Yeah, we were halfway up this rock <laughs> face and, you know, we is didn't it, have is anything. It opportunity I, where you were at? We didn't have anything no. but a rubber band no. and a, and a toothpick and I made this little <laughs> bow thing and I shot and I killed this crow in the air. Oh, when we were five, we'd make like little mini bows out of dandelion stems. <laughs> That's a terrible <laughs> <What>? design. <laughs> and then take pine needles Not and really they'd, like shoot really well. What? By really well, I mean I was five or six. Yeah, but at uh, least half of I an think inch. I, I was reflecting on that question <laughs> earlier, and when my dad was sixty, so I grew up in South Lake Tahoe, but my parents moved to Northeast Washington and bought just twenty-five acres, but it backs up to gobs of national forest land Mm -hmm. and um he was like i want to get back into hunting and i want to bow so i bought him a hoyt i don't even know what it was for his 60th birthday and maybe that planted the seed um really yeah but you thought to get him that which you is interesting your, like that was what i wanted to get a bow him. for his 60th birthday yeah and that's and that the was first like piece he, of archery pretty awesome. you ever touched yeah dude that's freaking cool and that's super cool Right, I'm a I'm a bigger guy like you, Dudley. Yeah. My dad's like five seven, so I walked into the archery shop when I was living in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> but you got a thirty three inch bow and cut his ear off. Great. No, I was like, <laughs> so my dad's about yay big, and they handed me like what I thought was a kid's bow. I was like, this thing is so small, yeah. right? It was probably twenty six inches or whatever, axle to axle. I was like, Jesus. how? What is this tiny thing? Um, that might have planted the seed, honestly. Yeah. Because I knew I had access. Yeah. Right? And that's a big intimidator for people getting yeah. into hunting mm-hmm. is, like, the access piece. Right. Um, bought him that, and I helped him hang stands all over the property and out on the national forest land behind the house during season. And That actually might be the reason why I got into it is a, a cool way to connect with my dad. Like, yeah. I remember I, I bought that bow with him, and... This was a train wreck. He got in a tree stand, and he's like, come come out with me. And so I sat at the bottom of the tree. Oh, Jesus. You know, nothing. Scared for Dad. Bonding yeah, told, I'm, I'm here to catch you. Hey, buddy, Dad, fall on me. <laughs> we can break both our necks. That's right. Yeah, at least, you know, family times. Yeah, family time. <laughs> but that, that actually might have been what, like, 
flip that switch for me. That's so awesome, though, isn't it? Yeah, and it's super fun. Yeah, that's crazy. Have you gone – so have you hunted on your own yet? Have you done, like, some background – like, have you done anything Every, DIY stuff? Everything I've killed with the bow has been solo. Really? Yep. That's freaking unreal. Yeah, it's good. Such a cool story. So, did, like, part of that and part of that story, is that is that what drew you to Sitka, too? Oh, absolutely. Um, like I said earlier, mountain sports guy my entire career – loved it um when i got into hunting five years ago i saw like community engagement within activism conservation that type of stuff that the hunting community had yeah. and i always respected the hell out of sika mm -hmm. because their design and everything was very similar to arcteryx and some brands i'd worked for yeah and when the opportunity arose there was no way I couldn't take it. Yeah. Um, and so now my uber passion and my wife will tell you when I go, I go deep into things is like conservation and hunting. And now just, I've never had more fun in life than the last eight months between Sitka, the ethos that, heart has instilled yeah. the hunting community and how close knit and amazing everybody that I've met in the community has been, whether it's archery, waterfowl, whatever it is. And then the fact that like the opportunities to go and spend time, money, resources, effort on whether it's like a tagging or a collar study for mule deer in Wyoming or whatever, it's just like, I'm on cloud nine yeah. every day. It's so cool. And then I have, we've talked about this weekend is like, or this week, you know, I've got young boys. Yeah. I'm so proud of like what I'm doing right now Yeah, from every aspect that yeah. hopefully I can pass along to them. It's just super cool. Yeah, it is. Honestly, I feel inferior, like to represent Sika. I honestly feel like there's, there's so many guys there that were just, diehard passionate people that are that are a decade ahead of me you know i'm just yeah i like the product you know i i i love the product and i and i loved barklow you know honestly that's the truth i really like john you know he was he was a great guy that gave me unbelievable information and when I applied the information, I became better. And it's a lot like when someone comes to me and wants archery lessons and I and I tell them like, hey, man, this is what I see. If you put this to use, it's going to help you. And then they do it. And they're just like, thank you so much. That was me. Like, honestly, that was just me. I was, you know, I was like, I had this for a long time. Now I'm using this. Can you tell me how to do it the right way? Someone that designed it told me how to use it the right way i applied it and i'm thinking wow this changes everything but now that i'm there and i realize people that have been there for a decade you know there's people that are way more legit than me you know there's you know they're guys that just go deeper in they go deeper down the rat hole than i do you know i i like i love hunting but they're like way further down there you know one of your photographers, you know, Jay Byers, 
Dude, yeah. Jay's awesome. way deeper down the freaking rabbit hole than me. When, when I was with Jay, I'm like, I'm just a little bitch on this guy's photo <laughs> shoot. You know what I mean? Because this guy's he's literally living this. Like, to him, hey, what do you want for breakfast? Oh, you know what I want? I want to walk the Wasatch from the freaking road to the top to get one run in at first light before anyone's even on a freaking even in line at the ski lift that's what i want and i'm like oh okay <laughs> yeah well that's insane i'm a little bitch you know because <laughs> because like guys like him they just freaking you know they're yeah. like super super deep and then with heart you know with heart it's like there's so many layers to that onion, but when there's times where I've revealed the layer of like how he really felt when he started Sika, and man, is that so cool that he's just like, you know, this is what I want. And you know, he's nerding out about skiing and stuff like that. And honestly, that was kind of the common ground for John and I was because when I was growing up, and I was still in high school, there were two things that I loved. And and I liked hunting. I didn't love hunting. I liked hunting. You know, I was introduced to it. I liked hunting. But what I loved to do was I loved to play sports and I loved to ski bumps. That's what I loved to do. And, you know, I freaking flip burgers at a ski hill so that I could get a year-long pass and I freaking went and flipped burgers at Wilmot Mountain, which was probably a hundred yard tall freaking ski slope in Wisconsin, so that I could ski this mogul run that took about 0.3 seconds to get down. <laughs> but I did it so I would have a season pass, and you know, and I freaking flipped burgers all year long to buy a degree seven ski outfit because it was freaking awesome and that was lightweight and I could ski bumps and I stayed warm and you know and then when I talked to Jonathan he you know he saw this same type of technology on the ski side and then is like why isn't this in the hunting community why are we cold because in the snow sport side of things there was technology that was there to where people were being athletes and they weren't suffering. And, you know, once you kind of realize what he did to start that and what that, that ethos was, it's like that is a really cool story to be part of. You know, it, it is really cool. But sometimes it takes, unfortunately, the longer someone's within a certain realm and then you meet them at the end of that run, it's almost like you have to uncover it to where yeah. you really get down there. And then once you get down there, it's, I was to the point where I'm like, man, I want to be part of this. It doesn't even matter. I just think this is cool because this is from someone's heart. Like I've uncovered the onion is, is like Jonathan as a human, but I've uncovered all the layers to where I've got down to where, where his heart was. And that was essentially developing Sitka for the hunting community. You know, and I think that was super cool. And that's honestly, that's why I was passionate about it, you know, about, about taking that move is like, this was, this was cool. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm not worthy because I'm like late to the program, you know, you know, I feel like late, really, really late to that program. When did you first meet 
Jonathan. Me, Dennis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I. Uh, yeah, you, Dennis. Yeah, me, Dennis. <laughs> no, I'm like you're pointing at me. I'm like, what? I'm like, are there are two of me? you? Like me? Like point. <laughs> uh, I met Jonathan so real early on when when like it was pretty small and we had first kind of because uh, Gore was, you know, at, the, at you know it was a perfect marriage in a lot of ways. We we had been in the hunting industry for a long time. Were you at Gore already? I was at Gore for 18 years. Total, okay, so actually. you were at Gore when yeah. they acquired I was, Sitka? I was. Okay, that's cool. And uh, and so, you know, and, and I was a core hunter, really enjoyed the outdoors. And so, you know, I was part of kind of spending time with Sitka and, and, the, and the original group. And what me and David Dillon and, you know, and a lot of other Brad Ewans, a lot of people were trying to do at that time was kind of fix our hunting business. And realizing that we were selling a better product but in that world everything was was, was looked the same you know yeah. like it was all camouflages that all looked the same oh and, yeah you know so we wanted to kind of create something that we thought was true to gore and yeah. gore is a science company science companies if you were to like so fix a problem you know don't don't just do what everybody else is fix a problem and can i stop though for yeah. one second yeah so what was your original role at gore so originally, I actually developed MRI coils, imaging coils. So I was a I'm an electrical engineer and develop. <laughs> I've published papers with Harvard Medical and uh, first imaging the heart in motion from the aorta all the way down to the bifurcations. Like I I I'm, I could geek out on other things, right? Um, but you know, in in that though, I moved over to the fabrics division and I was helping the footwear, gloves, and accessory business, and you know, kind of driving the waterproof, breathable world. And uh, had a good relationship with David and the other team. And, we, you know, because of my hunting background, we, we wanted to create something that was going to be better. And we kind of had this idea that, you know, well, deer actually see different than we do, right? Like, that's right, right? Yeah. Makes sense, common yeah. sense. And, like, let's, let's, like, well, I don't know. Let's figure out who knows a lot about deer vision and, you know, how they see and develop camo based on that. And at the time, though, you know, what, what, what sold? You know what sold? What sold is what you've seen, Right. And so mimicry was driving the world and, you know, oh, yeah. Realtree and Mossy Oak were on top of the world. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I, I was hunting in that too, you know, I was no different, but, you know, uh, you know, we wanted to make something that was scientifically based and we created it, but marketing world says that you can't win there, you know, yeah. cause everybody just wants this thing that they know and they understand. Yeah. And, you know, you know, who wouldn't do that? You know, Sika. it was, yeah. it was, it was Jonathan and, and, uh, Jason, to be honest, yeah. Jason Harrison and, yeah. you know, and those two, and they were. They wanted to change the industry, and because they want to change the industry, they were very open to a company that was willing to come at it from another direction. Yeah, because they were—they're both people that are very like, "Oh, you say I can't do this?" Uh, yeah, and I'm I mean, pretty wrong. honestly, yeah. they're totally. both of them. You know, were like, I never saw the two of them together. Yeah. I've seen Jason Limited, but Jason and I have mutual friends that I respect that, sure. you know, that like Jason, but then also from what I've seen of Jonathan, like I've been with him. It's amazing. Where yeah. he goes down a rat hole of like, this is yeah. his opinion. And you're like, damn dude, let up. But then part <laughs> of you thinks the reason this whole thing worked is because he does, he does not let up when he's, he when doesn't. he like is convinced. No, 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 no. You know, absolutely that's that's part of why this whole thing worked you know it's it's pretty cool synergy really it is and it's a little bit of you know some things are meant to be and timing has to be right and was it a little bit like for gore was it almost like whoa these two guys are you know because they have very like 
hard per- personalities yeah. but in different aspects but do you think that's why the product was what it was at the time I, I think it's why it was what it was at the time and they had a very clear point of view and you know the only other people that were as open were in Europe you know and so at the beginning we were working with Breda and Benelli and you know that side but it was these two guys in Napa Valley California that had a and it was their strong point of view like we want to change this there's a better way we don't have to prescribe to quid pro quo like we're yeah. gonna we're gonna come up with something else and and that's how I met Jonathan you know wow. and and so you know and, and bringing Jonathan into Gore it's it's you know we're life I, I would say we'll be lifelong friends yeah. you know because I I appreciate him that way I love the point of view he has you know to the point I I actually was a Yeti in a while and I'm back here again because yeah. I I believe in the vision I believe in the view I I love what we're doing, but yeah. um, I don't know. It's a, uh, you know, so that's how I met Jonathan, you know, and, and, and we've been good friends ever since, but I think it's that tie to like, you know, ask a question, solve a problem. Yeah. You know um, what I mean? And and that's it is like, he is, he is one of those business leaders to where he's one of those guys, him and I sat on a, on a plane next to each other. The first time we came up to like when I first officially went to Sitka because before that, you know, Barklow had sent me some stuff. I used it, loved it. And then I was coming up to Sitka to actually go to Barklow's house. And he told me like, you got to meet Jonathan. And then Jonathan ended up on my plane from Denver to Bozeman. And that's where we met each other. (laughs) And he was one of those guys where I'm like, this is one of those guys where, you know, he had this, vision for what he wanted his company to do and he did it and then he's one of those people where you say why you know you ask him all the whys Mm -hmm. okay why'd you do this why'd you do that why'd you do that why'd you do that and then the more you yeah ask those questions you just realize you know so many of these decisions were based on this instinct that's honestly impossible to teach in a class in a college these are like instincts for people that create these things that are different but it's just it's based on like instincts of a personality which is really really hard to just put in a book to (laughs) give a degree on right oh amen well he he questions everything Right, like he's always disruptive and like wants to be progressive, and like that culture continues at Sitka today. I mean, you guys see it. You're in the meetings. We will sit on things for years until we constantly question them until we know they're ready. Like, to should go. we make the talls actually tall? <laughs> <laughs> Tick. That sounds personal. Right. That sounds Tick. 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 <laughs> See, you're looking at me. I don't know. <laughs> should we make the tall? A 35 and a half or a 36 and a half? Let's let Dudley suffer in short boots for like two years. And then we'll freaking stretch this out. <laughs> ask a question. Yep. Solve a problem. Yeah. And I think, I think you did. I didn't even have to ask the question. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone that's six, five and plus. <laughs> No, your talls are your talls are like what's not quite a tall but not quite an, a regular. Raw? 
Shmedium. Shmedium. Shmlong. 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 You're definitely, like, you have regular and shmlongs. (laughs) (laughs) You need a full long. It's a normal long. If I mean, if <laughs> as long as Lacrosse Bur- Alpha Burleys are your official sponsor, you're totally good. <laughs> but if you wear a crispy Thor, you better have some freaking thick ass wool socks because there's a half inch of your freaking cankle that is going to be cold. <laughs> the brutal no truth. holds barred. Yeah, no holds like, barred. Yep. It's great. I love it. No, that, I mean it's true though. It's true. There's uh I think what's cool about that though is when you guys do hear about those issues you do like Adjust. you legitimately make things specified for needs. Absolutely. Which is really really hard. And I think part of that too is because you're not like and I speak of this from experience. I don't feel like sick has ever been victim to what um, a chain store is telling you based on like a container order. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we like that jacket, but we're not going to take it in this many SKUs. Like, we're not going to give you a five container order if you make it that way. And you're just like, okay, well, this is the way we're yeah. going to make it. Right. Specialized and I, gear and equipment. Right. Yeah. And so right. it's been a big part of who we are. We've, we've always, I mean, we've made some things that are, I mean, you know, you look back at our history. Some things were pretty niche, and mm-hmm. but we did it because no, a lot of things are very niche. very niche. Yeah, <laughs> very, but but for niche. us, it was about you know, it was about an intimate relationship you have with that consumer and that mm-hmm. base. And if if you're able to, if you're servicing niches in some way, you know, you can't do it for everything. But if you're servicing them in some way, it means you understand people, yeah. you understand their needs, and you're willing to meet them at yep. least halfway, if not all the way. Yep. You know, and that that's a different thing. Yeah. You know? It is. What's crazy is like if you took if you let's ju- I'm just saying this because I know him, but if you took me, Barklow, let's just say Jay Byers mm-hmm. and Cole Kramer, and you gave every one of us like a forty five hundred pack, right? And you said, Okay, you know, use this for a year, come back and tell us, you know, blah 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 the four of us even though we're doing the same applications each of us would have a slightly different way of wanting to configure that product and depending on who you listen to at that particular time would essentially kind of dictate the path of a product and i I feel like every one of those people were 100 percent qualified to determine that path but everybody had a slightly different opinion on how to get to the end result, right? <laughs> We're people. Yeah, right. yeah. So it's a it's a pretty cool environment. It really is. It's a cool environment to be part of. But for me, what's most important is that if you have reason for the application, the re- like you guys listen to those reasons. And, yeah, like there's times where I've made recommendations like, hey, I think tall should be – yeah. A minimum of 36, and, you know, even though you don't listen, you know, there might be a couple <laughs> guys that are like six, two and a half. They're like, no, this tall is perfect. This is a perfect tall for me, yeah. you know, and obviously listen to the guy that's six, five. 
and then you'd have the real tall size. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, the drum is beating. I know. I, know. I love it. I'm trying to drive that home. Yep. Yep. All of us that are a little bit taller, or anyone who like sits in a in a tree stand that's also not made for a tall person, yeah. and their their pants rise up an extra. Dude, these pants that I'm wearing right now, because these are actually, I'm wearing some prototypes of a yeah. new um, target archery pant. These are a legitimate tall. Like, Eric yeah. made these. These are a legitimate. So he's listening is what yeah, I hear what you do saying. Mean? We don't listen. For, for me, he did. <laughs> but, like, even when I sit down here, you can see what happens. Like, the fact that these are still yeah. above my Air Force One like, yeah. cankle mark. I think it, it's it, legitimate. It is amazing, though, how personal apparel is. Yep. It really is. Like, I'm not saying that because I'm sitting sick, but it is personal. Like, you have your favorite shirt, your favorite pair of jeans. Right. You critique very small details. Well, anytime you drop a couple hundy for something, it's pretty personal. It better personal. be personal, right? <laughs> personal. That's my point. Yeah, <laughs> it's my 100% point. personal. Like, there's no question about it. It's personal. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys got a flight. We're getting close we to that time. Jay, any closing words? Anything you wish you would have had time to say? Other than I think you need to order a new hat that's still black. I like this hat. It fits me well. I know, but the it looks like an oil skin like canvas. The crusty <laughs> critter. It's a black hat that probably smells a like a shade like a freaking orangish brown, like a Wolverine's <laughs> butthole. <laughs> There's stories in this hat. I that's bet. What oh yeah. I bet. Closing thoughts. When it comes to archery, man, the biggest thing is, like, check your ego at the door. I think that's anything. Yeah. True. I mean, anything, you know, for sure. What's cool about, um, I just heard the new jiu-jitsu place opened up, like, 10 miles away, which is, I'm pumped about. But when, you know, you think, you think you're big and strong until you roll with someone that's like a third of your size that knows what to do with it. And then you realize like, Oh, this is new. Yeah. Tell me, tell me what I need to do. So you don't break my freaking arm today. You know what I mean? All right. It's a good point. Humbling. Check the ego. That's a, that's a valid point. Not even with archery, just period. You know, for whatever this podcast number is point. Number one to take away, check the ego. ego. Thad, well, first, thanks to you and Sharon for having us over. Absolutely. For, it, super yeah. privileged, so thank you. I think, uh, closing thought, though, it's a journey, right? Like, yeah. tied to Jay's Check Your Ego is take the steps to become proficient in something, whether it's archery or business Anything, or right? being Anything. a dad Absolutely. or whatever it is. It's like take the time to go through the journey and Process. enjoy it. Like, just do it was a decent slogan. Like, yeah. embrace the suck is... A way better one. Honestly, that's, that's a legitimate life. Like, everyone, when they come out of the womb, they should be like, Wah! and then this tattoo guy goes, embrace the suck, and, like, puts it on your arm to where you have to, like, know that that's part of life. Totally. It's like, if you want to do something in life, then you need to, you need to be bad at it and hate it and then apply the work ethic to to yeah. get out of that. And then when you do, you're going to – honestly, when you really suck at something and you apply yourself to, like, get out of that moment, 
you might have found your calling. There's yeah. a good chance that when we, you've done, because that's my story, 100%. Listen, I, you know, the one thing about the Dudleys, and this, you know, it's no credit to me because I'm just a gene out of the pool. But, you know, when my dad came out of Vietnam, he had 28-inch calves. My mom had to, like, cut his freaking jeans. Wow. Sew in <laughs> denim down his jeans to fit his calves. You know, he's freaking dunking a basketball, you know, when he was like a seventh grader. And, you know, all this stuff that, like, he did. When I went into high school, any type of sport that I did, I did, you know, I did better than average. You know, naturally, you know, I don't care if it's freaking pickup sticks or ping pong or you name it, if it, has some type of athleticism mm -hmm. like bring it on i'll do it archery i lost all my arrows before i was halfway through the first round i freaking sucked at it it was the first thing that i really realized you are terrible at this do not ever come back and when that happened like when i ran out of arrows i left the shoot went to a gander mountain by wilmot mountain and, you know, where I worked for a ski, you know, freaking flipping burgers to get a ski pass, went back to this shoot and finished the shoot. And then the next day I was in an archery shop, pretty much just stalking shooters. Like, how do I not be that bad next weekend wow. when I see there's a shoot over it, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, you have to be able to, you have to be able to like find that thing that you're not good at and, figure out a way to be decent at it and honestly if you figure out a way to be good at it at that point you're probably good enough to teach it yeah and and be an expert at it because you've gone through more hardship you can relate to more people like for for you when you're saying you know how am i gonna you know with what i'm doing where am i gonna go i'm thinking oh well you're just going down my path dude I look at you and I think that's me when I went into the shop and I went to my first 3D shoot, like pulling this thing back. This is what they gave me. You know, is my center shot a quarter inch off? I don't know, but I'm shooting it. Yours is, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you're shooting it. Yeah. You know, it's that's what you have to do. Yeah. I mean, that's a freaking super point. Okay, Dennis. I don't know. Mine's pretty easy, I guess. Like, I, I think I listen to all this and it's like, uh, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. And remember, it's <laughs> all about the... That's what you brought out of this? Yeah, I did, honestly. <laughs> Don't take these guys seriously. So, no, no. And, and it's about the journey. Like, and, and I honestly, because I think, like, you know, you, you talked about it. Like, you, you just said, I walked in. I was a worst shooter, whatever. If you'd have taken yourself too seriously, yeah. you would have never sought help. You would have never figured it out. You would have never let the journey be about what it was about. Yeah. Right? And I and I think like this whole thing, like if you think about the whole the whole deal, right? Like it's about having good times. It's about the relationships. It's about the personal reflections you have. You know, and it and if you get too goal oriented, you lose mm -hmm. that. Right. Yeah. And I and I mean you're a goal oriented guy, right? Yeah. And I but I I do take that because I'm like if if that becomes like if tomorrow I'm not the best archer in the world or I'm not killing the biggest animal in the in the woods I, I shouldn't be here. Well, that, you you missed the message. Yeah. You know, you just said it. I walked in, I was the worst guy, and I and I found something I could accelerate at, but I figured it out, right? Well, I, I take still that. be the worst guy. 
you are not the worst guy. Like, I think you've be. confirmed that's not true, right? But I do. I you know I I think that's true, right? Like just realize this is you know know your why. You know yeah. this is about a lot of other personal things, and you know at the end of the day, like it's okay to have goals. We're a personalities. We drive hard, but mm-hmm. like that's inevitably not why we do any of this. Yeah, you know what I mean. We do it because what it gives us back, what the relationships we build. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I think for me, it's like, don't take it too seriously. And, and, you know, and understand it's about the process. You know, yeah, process. I, it's about the process. The whole totally. thing is about That's the process. It's a broken record. Yeah. It's that process. Like, it is. It is. It's a process. If you focus on the process, you'll get the prize. You will. And We're gonna end as long that. as you don't beat yourself <laughs> to death over it and yep. you let the process run it and not, mm-hmm. not your ego, you'll yep. be good. You know? Yep. All right. Well. My uh, coffee mug that never had coffee and it's empty. <laughs> Mine <laughs> too. Prost. Prost. Vestrovia. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Duds. Yep. Right. See yeah, you guys. Yeah, Have a good flight. And uh, knock on, everybody. I'll be back. I'm uh, warmed up, and it's time to get knocking again. Later. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing knockonarchery.com